Welcome to another awesome episode of NC Raw. Before we get down to business, I do want to share a couple of upcoming events that we have planned for the Western North Carolina area. The first is next Monday, December 24th. That's Christmas Eve. We're hosting the first ever NC Raw and Res Hope Christmas Party Podcast. It's taking place at 5 p.m. next Monday at the Comfort Inn in Silva, North Carolina, where we record every one of our episodes. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of food and play some Christmas music and have uh, all four mics set up to kind of sit down and talk about recovery and talk about the holidays, reflect a little bit on the last year of uh, what's happened with NC Raw and how we've kind of like come to life. Um, anybody and everyone's invited. Uh, if you want to want would like to attend, all the information is available through the event page on our Facebook page, NC Raw. Come on out and join us and celebrate the holidays with your NC Raw crew. The next event is taking place on January 1st, hosted by Spiritual Adrenaline and Res Hope. Uh, they're teaming up to promote the release of Tom Shanahan's book, titled Spiritual, Spiritual Adrenaline. And that's it's taking place at CrossFit 2232 in Bryson City, North Carolina at 1121 Main Street on January 1st from 12 to 3 p.m. It's a three event, free event where you can come and pick up a copy of the book Spiritual Adrenaline, Strength and Nourish Your Recovery written by Tom Shanahan, and get it, get the, a copy of the book autographed um, and signed. I would totally suggest coming out, supporting Res Hope, supporting Spiritual Adrenaline, and kind of creating some community. And lastly, in January, we are going to be taking the NT Raw podcast on the road. We're going to be hooking up with a former guest, Jeremy French, of Making Whole. We're going to go out to to Asheville to Making Whole's um, shop and we're going to have lunch. Jeremy hosts like lunch, I think like every day or every Friday and he invites everybody from the community to come out. And so when he was on the podcast, we talked about connecting and doing something like this. And we decided to do that on January, uh, what's that? Friday, Friday, January 14th, I believe around 12 p.m., be on the lookout on our Facebook page for an event. We're going to have a Making Whole podcast lunch, Um, and we'd also like to invite you guys out to have lunch with us and record a podcast and share some of your thoughts and experiences with us and, and build some community. So everyone's invited to any of these events again all the information is available through the nc raw or res hope facebook pages today's guest on the podcast is an awesome dude my man matt nanis of pivot point wnc pivot point western north carolina joins us to talk about what Pivot Point does, a little bit of his personal experience. Um, Pivot Point is a company that connects with um, 
sober living homes, treatment facilities, and he facilitates uh, adventures out in in the beautiful nature outdoor environment of Western North Carolina. He takes groups out hiking. He takes groups rafting um, and creates a kind of mindful experience as part of your recovery process and and your your pathway to recovery. It was an awesome conversation. The dude is extremely wise. He was very insightful, shared tons of information. I learned a lot from him and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. So uh, with that being said, man, give it up for my dog, my man, Mr. Matt Nannis. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Matt Nannis. What's going on, brother? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Did you go to school out here at Western? No, I didn't. uh, (laughs) I took a scenic route. I went many places uh, for undergrad, but I never never came down here. I went to... um, I got an early decision... Let's start off with some some boasting. I got an early decision to the business school at Wash U in St. Louis. Dude. And at the time, I did the math on like what percentage of applicants got in. Um and it was it, it was it was impressive and I would I would tell you if I remembered it. It was like a very small percentage mm-hmm. and I did that solely because solely because of two factors. One, I wasn't I I, I was I was blessed with uh with being in a, a family that was in a financial situation where I didn't have to, uh, college was paid for mm-hmm. um, or would have been had I been a little more efficient with it. And um, the restriction I got was I couldn't, or the caveat, I guess, is I couldn't go west of the Mississippi. So Washington so and St. Louis was 10 minutes shy <laughs> of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a lot of, a lot of, I got a big brother's four years older than me. Um, I love them to death. I think I loved them to death then too, but there was a lot of, I put a lot of stuff on that relationship. And, um, 
I wanted to get into a good school because I was sick and tired of them talking about Andrew. I wanted I wanted you to talk about Matt. I mean, that goes back from when he was getting bar mitzvahed, no one was paying attention to Matt. And then I finally was getting bar mitzvahed and it was like, well, what the fuck? Why, are you, why aren't you paying attention to Matt now? Because I thought all these, I just connect. Give me two dots. I don't even really need two. Give me one dot and I'll make up the other one and then I'll draw conclusions from that line mm-hmm. and I will act accordingly. Um, so yeah, so I started at Wash U and then transferred mid-freshman year to GW. I don't recommend mid-transfer or mid-year transfer. Uh, GW is, a, is where my brother went. He was still there. Um, I had friends from high school who were there. So I had a whole bunch of reasons why I transferred, but um, it was too hard to, it's too hard to meet new people. Um, it was, I mean, it was really hard because I wasn't really leaving my, my dorm, but it was, uh, so there, there was a challenge. There were, there were some steps I could have taken, but the, uh, yeah, that, that, that sort of crippling fear of, so I always had this kind of hesitation to want to meet anybody. I, I hid behind, I heard that being standoffish was okay. So I, I, I gravitated towards that. Like, oh, I'm just a little standoffish. In reality, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get to know you because I was terrified that you were going to figure something out about me before I did. That scared the hell out of me. So I had enough people that I knew at GW from high school. I could just go there and and I knew the role that they knew me as. You could play it. So I could play it, right. So I could just still be high school Matt who just happened to be in college. And then, you know, I'll talk shit about Wash U or whatever I need to do to explain why mid-freshman year I transferred from that school to to GW. And then that didn't, that didn't, it didn't take. So uh, I think I was there. Man, one, two, three, two years, maybe five semesters, including a summer session. Um, I tell people this a couple of times if uh, if they're willing to listen to it. Like I, I remember getting out of bed really late for an economics final getting outside of the apartment building because i mean gw's in like northwest in dc and uh i got out of the apartment complex we were in and i stopped short because i didn't even know (laughs) i didn't know which direction to turn to get to the building where my economics class was because i had never been and that and that was the day of the final that i was already late to so you had intentions to go to the final yeah i figured i could just nail i ace the final and and I'd be good, um, I guess. I don't know. I don't. It's hard to go back and, and see what that thought process was. But yeah, school was school was challenging because I knew I I had spent the first eighteen years. The one thing I knew was I was good at learning systems. Right, I I knew felt felt pretty confident. I knew what you wanted to hear, and I knew what I had to say, and uh, the those those rules didn't work in college. Um, and it terrified me. It terrified me. So it took, I took the scenic route. I think all in eight and a half years, went, went back home, did construction for a little bit, some high end finish work, which was phenomenal. Um, great experience. I don't remember his last name. Bram. Bram shell was the company. Great, great opportunity and experience for me. And, uh, 
did that for like two and a half years and then wanted to go to UMass Boston, but UMass Boston was like, you don't even have a GPA. Like, what? (laughs) I can't do anything with this. So I had to go to a community college for a year and I was pretty focused about it. It was a means to an end. And then I got into UMass and finished up with, I mean, I lowered my shoulders. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be a social butterfly. I was trying to get a college degree. Um, and you know, we could talk about what those motivations were too. Um, but that was important to me. And, and, uh, yeah, I finished, I did it. I did all right in school. Um, maybe I just learned the system a little bit better. That's probably how, how it panned out, but is that something you're always strong at? I can, yeah, I, yeah. Come yeah. on, t- come on, teach your whore, man. I, I'm pretty good. Well, it's it's a lot harder now, mm-hmm. um, because I f- I find, and this is just for me. I find that there's, um, it helps to be, it helps to be callous, at least to practice that skill the way that I was practicing it. Um, it's 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 not beneficial to. I will read the room and I will act apart to get what I want. It's hard to do that and attempt to be compassionate and mindful and caring. Um, and though that's not quite yet, uh, that's not my standard approach to life. Um, that's my goal. That's, that's the direction I'm trying to go in. Um, it's a lot harder to manipulate. Like I'll tell you flat out, like I'll, I'll come in here and I'll be like, so I, I watched the last four podcasts and there's a theme in the questions that you ask right? And I can tell when you're nodding your head more based on the response that I hear. So like I have five go-to answers that I'm just waiting for you to ask the right question. So I, 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 I turn myself in, I like, I tell on myself, right. And then I don't know today, more often than not, I'm a little more comfortable in the, I have no idea what the fuck to do. Like that's, that's, because I don't think I'm supposed to anymore. Well, that takes a pretty like significant level of like self-awareness to be able to identify that in yourself, right? To be able to yeah. know that like this is this is what I'm doing. Whether you like handle it or respond the most appropriate or compassionate way, but just to be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um I think it just doesn't sit well with me anymore. I was aware of it. I mean, I was aware of a lot of things for a long time before I decided to take any action um to to address it or change any behaviors but i think uh i don't know i think i think the self-awareness thing is has been frustrating for me to be honest it it was a lot it was a lot mm, it wasn't easier that's not accurate so m- shifting from like a uh intellectually motivated i'm i'm going to say capitalist but that's not it it's just it's a, a more linear uh, direction through life, right? Being aware that that's my MO and then not really being psyched about that. And then deciding and setting an intention and then following through with some actions to live a a more heart centered, heart focused, heart first life is, is a, it's great on, like, that's a great pitch, right? There's a fun, funky spot that I'm still in where the desire to go heart first is there, but I'm still rationalizing and intellectualizing my actions. And that's where, I mean, we were talking about like critic versus curious, right? So like being able to, uh, just talking about this the other day, being able to kind of sit back, like I kick up my feet and I'll watch one or two or 
18 episodes of something on Netflix, right? And I can just take that for what it is. Like there's a couple of shows that I can't stand, but like I've watched enough of them that I'm invested in the characters. And I just, I want to know what happens. Like I don't really care, but like I'm dying to know what happens. So now when I'm having interactions and I feel that anxiety come up or I'm aware that I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's genuine. I don't know if I'm speaking my truth to you right now. I think I'm playing you or I'm trying to. Um, there was a first step, there's first stage where that was, that was just gasoline on the fire for the critic. Like I'm a piece of shit. I'm never going to change. I can't grow. Like even if I'm trying to do the right thing, it just, I, I just fall back to that. And, um, there's been a nice sort of gradual, I guess, pivot <laughs> to, uh, just being curious about that. Like, yeah, you're doing it again. I wonder, I wonder what in this situation is a threat. Like, why are you perceiving a threat here? You know? And so it's, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's just been, the mantra has been reframe. It's just been reframe. What influenced that like shift in intention and the way that you live and trying to attempt to live through your heart? Uh, I'm lazy, right? So the amount of effort that it takes to stay on track with, I can't be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of effort it takes to, to posture as if I'm being authentic, um, is way more than I'm willing to put in. So if I suffer through some discomfort, which, which I have, um, and that, that flares up, you know, at any given time, to be honest, but if I suffer through some discomfort, I can get to a place where vulnerability isn't scary. Um, I can be genuine and authentic still attaching to the outcomes to it. You know, I'm not quite there yet by any stretch, but um, it's just a lot easier to go, to just roll with it. Yeah. But it takes a lot of courage to face that discomfort and be prepared to suffer through it. Like, don't you do, would you think that that's something that like prevents a lot of people from taking that step? It's the fear of living through that discomfort, right? And like my my experience with like Buddhist practice and and meditation was that um, learning how to tolerate the discomfort Mm. and kind of like be able to like sit with it, accept it, but most importantly, just tolerate it. Like if this feels like it's never going to end, like I cannot make it through this breakup. I cannot make it through this physical injury without returning to numbing myself through drugs and alcohol or whatever the case. Doritos. Doritos. Yeah. Um, and But I can't tolerate it, right? I can tolerate it for today, right? I can sure. tolerate it for tomorrow. And as I learned to tolerate that suffering, tolerate through it um, for an extended period of time, I was able to learn to be compassionate towards it, right? But I couldn't I couldn't do that in the beginning, right? Yeah. I couldn't bring compassion to that suffering in the beginning. But I could tolerate it. Right. Right. And I think I th- I think the progression and that's I mean we were talking about what do you do in the snowstorm? 
And, and I think appreciating that progression is, is something that I, I constantly do. I mean, the, the first, so, so meditation was, this is not what I understand to be a unique experience, but meditation to me was, I can't, cause I can't clear my mind. So what's the point? My mind doesn't stop. My mind's won't stop yours. You must not think the way that I do. I'm different. Oh, yeah. Qualifying out. Sure. Yeah. And then, um, and then I, I got the same, I got very kind of poster suggestions. Like imagine the, the tree with the leaf and put the thought on the leaf and the, there's a river by the tree and watch the thought go or like the clouds, the clouds floating by. Love yeah. the clouds. Uh-huh. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still was coming at it as like, I mean, I'll try it, but it won't work. Right. And then a friend of mine introduced me to uh, the podcast, the UCLA mindful at the hammer, that specific one, the UCLA mindfulness. There's two, there's mindfulness and mindfulness at the hammer. And I don't know why, but the ones that are at the hammer are better. (laughs) I think it's just a different vetting system of which ones they put on the podcast. But Diana Winston became like my spirit animal. Okay. And, um, she has a, a beautiful definition of what mindfulness practice is. And, uh, I won't say it cause I won't say it accurately. It'll be a disservice to her presentation of it. It's a willingness to be with what is it's being open to the present. I guess I will say it. It's being open to the present moment, um, with curiosity and interest and a willing to be with what is. Um, and I think, I, I think I went through it because I could listen to her for 30 minutes as I was going to bed and, and I wouldn't be listening to what I was thinking. And then I started to listen to what I was thinking. And then there was, you know, like, man, I'm really caught up about this or man, I'm really pissed about this or I'm really scared about this. And there was identify, I was identifying there was, that was the progression. It was, I can't meditate to apparently I'm sitting quietly for 30 minutes. Now I'm sitting quietly for 30 minutes and observing my thoughts. But I'm allowing those thoughts that I observe to define who I am. So like I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm obsessed, um, I'm failing. I suck at meditating, like any of those thoughts. And then one of the next ones that came up on on her podcast was about, um, she calls it disidentification. So just changing the words. Like it, it might've taken me, would take me like almost eight years to finish undergrad. Most of those eight years, it was an English major. That's what I, I graduated with secondary education and as a concentration in, in English. And uh, words are very important to me and they're very powerful. We were talking about storytelling too. And I think that reframe that she came up with I'm not angry, I am experiencing anger. So I take a half step away from that emotion becomes that much easier to separate that emotion from my experience. Um, you know, and, and I rolled with that for a while. And then, what is it, Tonglin? Is that? Tonglin, yeah. Is that how breathing you say Breathing in the suffering, breathing out. Yeah. And kindness that, and compassion. And that was backwards. I was, th- yeah. they got it wrong, right? Because uh-huh. they, no, 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 I need, I need this. You guys are fine. I need this. But whatever, everybody's talking about it. Some people who wrote some pretty good books are talking yeah. about it, so... You know, I don't have the retreat and I'm not talking to 5,000 people. So maybe she knows what she's talking about. So I try it and it's hard. Well, now I don't like it because it's hard. But there was one practice that, that I heard uh, Pema Chodron talk about specific. I know many do, but the one that I listened to where something clicked 
was was ident- like so that that the tone right that tone is a glimpse like that's the crack in my ego that gives me access to my experience and then whatever it is that i'm identifying to breathe in and say that i'm not the only one experiencing that you know so that's new i mean that's new because no matter what i'm experiencing you have no idea how to relate to it so i sat with that for a while and just i mean we could talk about this for the whole time i just think the progression of and and i don't want to say like progression implies that the initial parts of it were not of equal value to me. And that's not my experience. My experience is like the fact that I knew, like in that moment, I knew I couldn't meditate. And then in this moment, I knew I wasn't doing it right. And then in this moment, like that five minutes, I think I said this in my little thing to it, like that five minutes changed my world. Five minutes. Because it, it puts this space between every thought that's running through my head. And it allows me to take a breath like, all right, yeah, it's another, it's another one. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. Do you want to act on that? Is it worth acting on? What's the benefit? Like, I, I have time to ask those questions and check in with myself now. I mean, I always had that time, but I'm aware of that time now. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's not anything. I don't think it's anything I could have learned in school. I learned it through my experience bouncing all over the place to mm-hmm. get to get through school. So, how long did this how long did you like work on your practice before you decided to pursue kind of sharing that with others? Ah uh, how long? Like what, what was that? I think like right, right, right out the gate. When I, did you realize that you needed to, to share that? Yeah. That you wanted to like take these, take these tools hmm. and take these, um, these skills, these practical skills and like apply them to this process of recovery, of healing, of, it's a good, I don't know if I, I think I, I, cu- I couldn't tell you the day. I think I know I was probably two years into working my last job before I started Pivot Point. Um, I was working at an acupuncture school in Asheville and um, it was like a lunch break or maybe it was just, I was in the kitchen and it was making coffee and it wasn't like a particularly smooth sailing day for me and someone or for anyone. Right. But I didn't, that wasn't the point. The point was for me, it wasn't. And someone came in, um, like came around the corner, like came in hot, like came around the corner and like you, you felt my back was to the entrance of the room. And I knew that there was like something had gone down and they were excusing themselves into the kitchen. And I think they wanted access to the sink. And I wasn't psyched about the way that they asked for access to the sink. And in that moment, I'm kind of filling in the gas with details, but in that moment, um, I like, I kind of chuckled. I smirked, not like to them, but like I hadn't turned around yet, but I sort of smirked and I was like, uh, you know, 
I don't think there's any possible way that this has anything to do with me standing in front of the sink right now. And I turned around and I was like, you know, what, what's going on? What can I do? And I, I never, unless I was like in a context where that was my mission, that was my goal. Like if someone's like, if I'm going to help you move and I see a bunch of boxes, I'll walk up to you and say, Hey, what can I do to help? Right. Mm -hmm. In this circumstance where I'm in my head about how whatever happened had happened, my initial response was to turn around and ask them if they were all right and what I could do or if they just wanted to talk about it. And I mean, I don't, I don't bring this up when I, so like we, I take a group out and we go to upper Catawba falls. Of course we don't do it now because there's caution tape and it's dangerous and that would be irresponsible. But when there wasn't caution tape, you can get up there, there's climbing ropes, there's like a hundred people at the lower falls and there's like eight people at the upper falls. So if I'm just happen to be with a group of people, I suggest that we go to the upper falls and there's ropes and it's muddy and, uh, I don't use many terms like it's not a formal, it's not formalized, right? It's like, listen, safest thing to do here is three points of contact. If I'm aware of my body positioning and I'm aware of where my center of gravity is, there's way less chance that I'm going to slide down this, even if it's slick. If I'm standing straight up, for me, I'm doing that because I'm posturing, right? I want you to know that like, I got this, right? That's who slips and falls and hits their head on, on a rock or God knows what else. Um, if I don't feel sturdy, the second I put my hand on that branch, I don't even need a good grip, but the second I do that, I disperse my weight differently. And suddenly like I'm, I'm more connected to the mountain, right? When I'm, when I'm climbing up the rope, one at a time up the rope, rope in between, I'm, I'm using my legs. The rope is just for like, let's just break this down a little bit. Like we're not in a rush. That waterfall has been here for a while. It's going to be there when we get to the top. The goal is for us to actually get to the top, right? So that, I always see the correlation directly from like that rope section to upper Catawba Falls to, you know, that discourse in the, in the kitchen at, at an office, right? Like I'm not going to tell anybody or even suggest that anybody who I'm going on a hike with that like three points of contact and minding your body position and making sure that the climbing ropes between your legs as you go up this section of rocks because that'll help you interact with your coworkers at the office. I don't even know how to draw that connection, except to say that I experienced that connection. You know, this is bigger than me. And uh, I, think, I think the birth of wanting to share the application of mindfulness, the application of, honestly, anything that is covered in what I understand is covered in a, in a clinical setting, particularly for people in, in various stages of recovery um, from anything. I have experienced the opportunity to apply those theories. I mean, evidence-based models, but mm -hmm. theories to apply them in the real world. For me, that avenue is through nature. For me, that happens in the group dynamic as it unfolds on a harder hike than you thought it was going to be. Um, that happens when two of the guys in a group of six brought water and the other four didn't, right? That happens when 
we're going down Catawba, right? I, uh, that's my go-to. We're going down that, that section. And I tell the guy who's going after me, you can use this, this route, this route, and this route. It's basically like a ladder. You're good. Watch out for this. This footing's pretty slippery, you know, and you should be good over here. I don't tell him, now turn around and tell that to the next guy. Especially because the next guy is the dude who won't clean out the dishes in the sink and they got this petty bullshit going on. But it feels it feels real and important because there's, I think there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of posturing is what I, is what I observe. And there's this attempt, what I think is an attempt to be like, the captain of the halfway house. And I get it a hundred percent. I totally get it because it's, this is, I mean, this is that discomfort with groundless. This is a new surrounding for some people. Um, so I need to establish myself because I'm scared. I'm intimidated. This is not comfortable for me. So if I can hold something over you, at least that part of my experience will be comfortable. That doesn't work going down section nine of the river. It doesn't. I mean, like you can be pissed that, you know, Joe didn't put his dishes away, but if you don't put that shit aside and paddle when we have to paddle, we're hitting that rock and we're, there's going to be, you know, a yard sale on section nine. So like figure it out. Like I got a throw bag. I can bring you back into the boat. We'll be fine. It'll be a different experience. And I, I just, every time I go out with these guys, I get, I tend to get like sort of heads up from the, from the staff, you know, like these two shouldn't sit together or this, this happened earlier in the week. I never, I never see it. That's not my experience with these guys. Um, I don't know if it's the autonomy of pivot point. Like we show up, we do our thing and then we leave, you know, like I'm aware there are probably consequences to your behavior if I deem it necessary or I'm told specifically that I need to report certain circumstances i think that's at my discretion and i do i don't enforce those consequences i just i'm just there because there's more to there's more to experience like i can appreciate watching a marathon of netflix and not getting high i can appreciate the significance of that and as someone told me pretty early on when i uh, decided to make some changes in my life his response to almost any accomplishment that I thought was like I needed a, an award for was that's great. Now what? You know, like now what? What are you going to do? So yeah, I mean, Archer's always available online. You know, that couch is not going anywhere. And one of my friends, we we climbed. What was it, Pisgah? I think we climbed Pisgah years ago. Not like on the job, just. Climb Mount Pisgah. And he so casually mentioned when we were at the top looking at that tower, he so casually just goes, you know, and so now when so-and-so asks you what you did today, you can tell him you climbed a mountain. And it was, it was like, holy shit. You know, like I'm step at a time, step at a time, step at a time, and now I'm at the top of a mountain. And like, what did so-and-so do today? He probably said like, the wide receiver record in, in Madden 2018 or whatever the hell is mm -hmm. out there now, you know? And, I, and like, good for him. I'm just trying to shine a light on what else we can do, Yeah, you know? Let's uh, take a step back and, like, talk about a little bit about 
what pivot point is mm. and like what it is that you guys do and um, what kind of services that you offer and provide. So, so pivot point WNC is, um, we're sort of an add on. We're an auxiliary program that is designed to enhance any existing program. Um, program initially, initially born from supporting programs of recovery, halfway houses in the area. Um, we had toyed with talking with, uh, initially primary, primary care facilities, um, there tends to be some friction on how we're structured with, you know, being able to take 45 people out at a time. That's not something that we can do. Um, but it's, it's a prepackaged deal, fully insured, um, myself and a gentleman who's, we're in the process of, uh, of him. He's, he's thinking about coming on board and we're both, um, in various stages of getting certified as substance abuse counselors. Um, reading, I mean, exploring, exploring, uh, trauma-based work as part of that certification, um, engaging in mindfulness practices, whether it's books or doing, uh, participating in groups in, in the Buncombe County area or whatever we can do to expand our experience with the benefits of mindfulness. Some, I just signed up for a couple of, uh, couple of workshops, five day kind of tiered workshops that, uh, kind of explore the science behind it, um, which is fascinating. I really didn't think it would be, but it is. Um, and we provide, I guess, an application of whatever you're being taught or exposed to in the, in the structure of your program, you being the client, the resident. We provide an opportunity for, for that information to be applied to real life experience. So we do that through mountain biking we do that through exploring the group dynamic when we're going on a hike that's way harder than anything you wanted to sign up for we do that through um the group dynamic as it unfolds on on a raft you know two people have paddled before and you know can you follow instructions we we basically take any experience that you would be able to sign up for with anybody and we pivot point provides the flashlight the spotlight on what it is that's happening. Um, we do a, we do a mindfulness check-in about a third of the way into each outing or experience. Um, which I think is, is it's basically a combination of, of what a lot of primary care wilderness based facilities do as, as I understand it. Um, so it's four simple prompts. And it's designed as much for the benefit of the facilitator of those prompts as it is for the participants. Anyway, it's totally voluntary. Um, it's rare that no one wants to participate or maybe doesn't want to, but does anyway. That's fair too. But it's, I feel, I feel this way because I think, I think four circles used to call it a fab statement. So I feel, I feel this way because I think a hope inside of my control and a hope outside of my control. And then we set some intentions for the rest of the day. Um, and, and the thought behind that is, man, I can, I can live any kind of life, you know, with or without any kind of substance or, or, or using people to change the way that I feel. Right. But how often do I formally sit down, slow down and check in with myself? The answer for me is I don't, 
I don't do it. I do it because it's part of these hikes, right? So for me, that's, I feel like I'm loosely tethered to this plane, right? And the more I get caught up in work or even communication, you know, hanging out with people, just being social, the, the sort of the longer that kite string gets. And when I set this check-in and I formally, I model it for them, you know, and there's, you know, there's varying degrees of vulnerability that are appropriate for, for me to share with these people, these people, with these clients. Um, but I tell them like the, the first and foremost, like if I don't, do, you know, I thank them for coming with me, for sharing this experience, because if I don't do this check-in with you guys, it probably isn't going to happen. And then, you know, nobody knows how I'm going to react because there was something that came up two days ago that I wasn't willing to look at or whatever. And, uh, I feel this way because I think is, is I got all those thoughts running through my head and every now and again, more often than I'd like, my brain will connect, will jump on one of those thoughts. Sometimes it's based on reality and what's actually happening. Sometimes it's not because my, my brain craves context. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to make it up. And if I run with the context that's either, you know, fancied or, or real, I can spiral out on that and I can build a whole backstory to it. I'm a big fan of prequels, like going to the theater. I want to know like what led up to this. So I'll make it up. Okay. I'll make it up and I will get emotionally attached to the story that I've created in my head. That's my, that's my particular brand of crazy. And it will become, if I don't keep an eye on it, it will become the lens that I experience my day. If I can give a voice to that, if I can name that, then it's that disidentification. It's an opportunity for me to take a half step away from just breaking it down. This is what I'm feeling. That's not who I am. This is the experience that I'm having. And uh, I know it kind of kind of loosens up the rigidity that I tend to bring on these outings, um, on these experiences. And, and I guess I'm projecting and assuming that the participants are also bringing with them. And then hope inside my control is, is my familiarity with the language of recovery is again, like I get caught up on words and there's a lot of talk about powerlessness and lost the choice. And I, I think early on there's, it's easier to apply. So early on, only certain words get through, right? So if the words that get through are powerlessness and, and, and no choice, if those are the phrases that get through, then, then I'm fucked. But I think, you know, taking a step back and pulling that stuff out of context is dangerous. So, so when I talk about a hope that's inside of my control, you know, like if I'm, if I'm identifying that I'm feeling hopeful or I'm feeling gratitude. I'm feeling gratitude because this, this, and this has changed in my life. Hope inside of my control is I can hold on to that feeling and I can hold on to those reasons that I'm feeling that way. Hope outside of my control is, you know, the next time the Pats play the Steelers, it turns out a little differently. Mm -hmm. um, so I, th I think there are elements, almost every element of life that is that I don't have any say in. But I have the power now, particularly if, if you're in that house, you know, you tell me you're stuck in that house. You could leave. I wouldn't recommend it, you know. 
but you got a wallet, you got a cell phone, you can go wherever the hell you want to go. You're still there. I mean, I'm not buying it. If you're there bucking against me or bucking against the staff, I, you're posturing, I think. Um, but if you're still there, then then you have the choice to respond in certain ways. And I find that, you know, if it's a hard hike or just because it's outside and there's no fluorescent lights above you, the, the, those, those walls, those masks, those roles that I create that I think I have to play kind of, do they dissolve? I don't know. Maybe they're still there. Maybe it's just, I just take it off. More tra- they're more transparent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a crack. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anything's happening. It's just another opportunity to apply. Um, what it is that everybody's no doubt telling these these guys. Um, and I think if I'm more exhausted because this switchback is killing me, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll see it. Does that yeah, make sense? It makes sense. They, they can um, kind of put their guard down a little bit. Yeah, and I don't even know if they set the intention to. Yeah. I think the guard it just, happens. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. How long have you been doing this? How long has Pivot Point WNC been been around? Pivot Point WNC has been in existence since November of 2017. A little over a year. A little over a year. That's when uh, I filed the paperwork with the Secretary of State and got bona fide. Well, yeah. What um, what led up to you doing that? Officially doing it. Yeah. Um. So I. I was friends with somebody who worked at a, uh, a local nonprofit house that um, I think is a phenomenal program, uh, Next Step Recovery in, uh, in, in Asheville. And I was hanging out at his apartment and there was a, a piece of paper that looked like, it just looked like copy, right? It just looked like an ad or something that was coming out. And I looked at it and it, was, it looked like a Craigslist post. So I asked him what that was all about. This is four and a half years ago. And he told me like, you know, so-and-so and and his wife got their dream job up in Connecticut. He was running the outdoor element of their program at the time. They needed someone else. And I was like, Oh, and I asked, I was like, what's that? uh, What's that pay? And he told me, and I was like, Oh, have you posted it yet? No, I have to get it reviewed before I can post it. I'm going to post it tomorrow morning. I was like, yeah, don't post it tomorrow morning. So I talked to, I think I talked directly to Susan Stater, who's who's the executive director of, of Next Step, and um, she was, you know, gracious and supportive, and uh, welcomed me, kind of taking taking over that element. So it was like, you know, the Sunday tech, essentially. You know, I I I I drove there, I got in their van, I took the guys out, and we just did what we did, and. Um, there was it maybe it was six months in, I was meeting with a bunch of people. We we're all at maybe it was longer than that, but we were all at I think bonfire, eating barbecue. And I want to say it. I mean, maybe it was right after a hike. Maybe it was you know the the following week. But I was glowing because like somebody, somebody just all they did was say thank you as they were leaving the van, and I was like, like I didn't even know he was like conscious of what was going on. As it, but he thanked me and. uh that was all it took. I just had, I was just glowing at dinner. 
And I think I told a couple of people. I think Tommy Cook was actually, I think, yeah. at that dinner. And, and he, I might have suggested that he quit his job and we just we figured this out because like, <laughs> I'm getting paid to go hiking. Like, there's, there's something to this. But on top of that, like, this particular resident at this particular um, program just that was the that was the that was the first time that I saw like he forgot to put his wall back up. Maybe he got back to his apartment and like went right back into being a dick. I have no idea. But I saw I made the connection between what we were doing and what was happening. That he was taking it, yeah, taking it off of the trail, taking it out of the van, out of the literally, van. Yeah. literally out of yeah. the van. And um, there were a couple people at the table who I think entertained the the idea, maybe just to be polite with me. I'm not really sure. And then at the time I was working at this school and it was, it was fascinating work. And, and the, the president of that school and founder of that school is an amazing, amazing human being, like just created this so many things out of nothing, like her against the world. And just, I have, I have such admiration for, for what she's done. And on top of everything she had done, she had created a, an organization that was such that she could post a job online. Someone could apply for it, me, and, and I could just show up do what I was asked to do and get get paid. I didn't have to take a leap, you know. It was safe. I, I like safety. It was safe. And I kind of forgot about it for a while. For a couple of years, I kept working with, uh, with Next Step. And then fast forward a little bit and had a particularly challenging day and told everyone I was going to go take a lap around Monford uh, and uh, went up and down the street and called a number of my friends who who are more familiar with, I guess, that world um, than I was at the time. And they were like, yeah, so-and-so's, uh, so-and-so's looking for um, an activities director. And in my head, I ran with that. I was like, activities, right? That's a full-time job. It's probably got benefits. It's probably this, that, and the other. I'm going to give my notice immediately, and I'm going to get hired. Like, how could they not? And it turned out to be basically the same thing that I was doing on Sundays, only it was going to be on Saturdays. And that was with Firebird Transformations, Jay Joslin's outfit. And, and their program is this beautiful, heart-centered, just such a... Something about walking into that main house uh, that they have is just... it's It feels so... Lo- there's just love in that house. It's very impressive. And uh, so I worked with them for a little bit. And that was like seven days a week. And... I don't know, I think a combination of feeling comfortable with it and and then there was a realization that those Saturdays and Sundays were reviving me to get through Monday through Friday um, for all sorts of reasons, you know? But that, like, it wasn't, I can't wait to get to the weekend so I can tie one off or I can't get to wait, can't wait to get to the weekend for, for anything other than, like, I want to pick up <laughs> these, these guys and, and we need to get out. We need to get on the river. We need to do this. We need to do that. And, uh, I don't know. I guess you, it's like anything else for me. I said it probably to myself a lot more than I said it to anyone else, but I said it to one or two people because that made it real. And then I was like, well, let's, let's fucking try it. Let's just try it. And and that decision was the snowball, right? So it was like, well, let's just try it. And I was like, great. What do you do? I have no fucking clue. Okay, who knows? Mountain BizWorks knows. So they have a they have a business foundations course. So I signed up for that while I'm still at school, while I'm still at work, and uh, 
And it is, it's, it's the foundations of how to start a business. Like asking, just asking questions. Like, what are you doing? What's your target audience? Do you want to be an S corp? Do you want to be an LLC? Do you want to be a nonprofit? And, uh, yeah, three hours, like I think it was six Mondays in a row, three hours. And, uh, this was an 18 hour course. And then you get your little diploma, a certificate of completion. And, you know, the lenders come in that are connected to Mountain BizWorks. They come in and they, they, they say that like, well, we actually look at the business plan that you just got through this course. That's part of our assessment. And they have my favorite alliteration I've ever heard in my life so far. They have what's called, uh, what is it? Creative collateral consideration. So due to, due to a number, almost two decades of impulsivity, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have any collateral. So like I can't get a loan. So I'm, I'm fucked because I can't make the transition of doing more than I can't. I have to do seven days a week if I want to keep doing this. So I call them up and I, I don't know. I call them up and I start asking questions and they give me a list of 20 things to do. And then while I'm trying to do five of them, I don't understand any of them. So then I have to talk to a whole bunch of other people. And I've constantly, it's been, it's been a year and a half, even though LLC was November. It's been a year and a half, maybe a little more than 18 months of like, I have a, a punch list of 20 things every day, 20 things to do. I usually don't get much knocked off of it. And when I do, the results of getting like three things knocked off that list is each of those three things has given me six more things that I don't know, that I just don't know. And there was a time where that would frustrate the hell out of me, scare the shit out of me, throw my hands up, like, what's the point? Um, And then I think back to that, I don't even remember his name, that fucking kid who just thanked me. It wasn't like a heart, it wasn't like a hallmark moment, you know? He just opened the door and like, I think he forgot his headphones, went back in to grab his headphones and he was like, hey, thanks, Matt. That was it. Like that one kid, he has no idea, right? But that was... You wanted more of that. I wanted more of that, you know? Yeah. Like I, that's, that's my, that's how I'm wired. That yeah. felt right. In that moment, that felt right. And uh, it's been... It's been a trip, man. I mean, I mean, we're we we have we have some core values. I've had some experiences with various people. Um, so many mentors. So that was one of the best things. The most amazing part of the of the business foundations class was, I think, the first night. It was ask yourself and write out who your allies are, right? And I think I wrote like, he wrote my dad. I might've had two other people on the list. And then you turn the page of the pamphlet or whatever. And it's like, who do you know who does this? Who do you know who does this? Who do you know who could do this? Who supports you when you do this? I have so many allies. That you weren't aware of until you analyzed it. Yeah. Via those those, those questions. Those, those questions. Yeah. It, uh-huh. it was like, I, I don't have. But when you're asked to do it on your own. No, because, and, and I don't know if that's, I'm assuming that that's that, mm-hmm. I can't do it. That's, I'm just, I'm, I'm convinced, that's that judge, that critic, right? Not the curiosity. And the curiosity is like, damn, how, how many allies do I have? You know, so-and-so has done this. So-and-so says, hey, you know, do you know anyone who might be able to help me with this? It's actually, I know 
the person who created this um, wilderness program at a prestigious university who now lives over here and consults with people all over the world and blah, blah, blah. I'll give you his email. Maybe something will happen. And I tell him what I'm trying to do. And I'm Skyping with him tomorrow morning. And we've been talking for about a year now. I mean, like huge resources. Um, and on a much more intimate scale, like in, in, in the community in, in the Buncombe County area and the recovery community in general, um, people who I, I just assumed would perceive me as a threat, which is a little pompous, I think in the first is an ego, ego assumption, but, uh, yeah, that, you know, whatever I can do to help. And then fast forward to me trying to talk to a, a prospective client, you know, I hear myself say things like, listen, I know this will work because I see it work, right? I see it work and I, I, I can't, I can't really convey that to you. Like, you know, sign up for us, with us for three months and you'll see it too or whatever the pitch is. But at the end of it, from day one, I've always said like, you know, work with us, don't work with us. You want to help people. We want to help you help people, right? The only way that people get helped is if we all work together and we do this like as a collaboration. This competition, I don't, I don't, I get it. I get it, but I don't think it works. And... It was the first time someone was like, yeah, that's a hard pass. We're good. And I was like, cool. And I and like did that observing thing. And I was like, I'm actually cool with that. Like, that's fine. Yeah. And for them to for them to kind of like um, decline your offer, decline your services, it like really, um, you know, deep down, knowing what you know now, they probably wouldn't have worked out in the long run because they probably don't operate under the same core values that you, that you do, you know, somebody that like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I think, I think it there, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm completely accurately portrayed. Like I took a lot of those decline uh-huh. declines personally, you know, one of the men mentor- before that point. Yes. I mean, what, so, so like everyone's like, well, listen, sell your experience. You get this benefit from participating and engaging in nature and, 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 and engaging in a mindfulness practice, whatever that looks like, you know, it doesn't have to be formulaic. So sell your experience. So what I ran with, with that was, well, if I'm selling my experience, I'm selling myself. So if you decline my services, you're rejecting me. me, Mm -hmm. Right. So I kind of set myself up to that. How do I not take that personally? And, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so as far as it probably wouldn't have worked out. Listen, I mean, there's there's elements of helping people that require money. Yeah. Um, and the ultimately the people that I talk to who are willing to engage in the in the services that I'm offering, eventually I get to the person who makes the decision based on a bottom line. Um, and and that's fine. You know, there's a, there's, there's a part of it that's not, that's challenging, continues to be challenging for me. Um, and, and, and I like that. I enjoy that. I find that challenging. Um, I think that the, the beauty and value of having the, the core values that, that I established with pivot point that, that, you know, that beacon of what it is that I'm working towards, um, you know, that mission statement, I think if that's if it's if that's the forefront if it is heart centered and it is heart focused and it is I genuinely want your guys to have an experience because I think that left to my own device 
I'm super limiting on what that experience can be. Um, and that the thought that, you know, not getting fucked up is the solution to getting fucked up is such a, it's a trap, man. It's a trap because it's not true. Yeah. It's not true because it, because it doesn't, what, like, what's the, what's the point? What's the point of that? I mean, if, if I'm trying to get off paper, I got to do this so that I can get back with my girl or like, you know, then the parents will let me or set me up with this, whatever. Like, that's yeah. cool. Like that's that, but that's the in, like that's, that's where the opportunity is. That's where the opportunity is. Mm-hmm. And the more, the more that, that someone, I really does is like, if I could afford a marketing person, they'd be rolling, rolling their eyes right now. But like the more that, someone experiences that however it is that they get to experience that i mean that that's i want to be a part of that yeah i gotta i gotta pay for a ridiculous amount of insurance and these certifications don't come cheap and wilderness first responders is not a reasonably priced program but like i want to be able to provide the safest and most supportive relevant service that i can to someone who may their motivations don't matter to someone who deserves the opportunity to experience life to its fullest. Yeah. Regardless of if they're going into it with those intentions where, when you meet them where they're at. Yeah. And that's like, it goes back to like what you, what you talked about with collaboration and mentorship. And that's like these individuals, myself included being one of them at at one point in my life that like, um, that's when we need somebody like, you to come into our lives and kind of like show us what else is out there outside of working this program to fulfill my obligation to my probation officer yeah, or to get my kids back or whatever the circumstances are that led up to me taking those actions, whether they're genuine or not. Yeah. We're, we're doing it and we're vulnerable and we we're prepared for, we're ready for somebody like yourself to walk into our life and kind of, kind of provide that to us. Cause like we're so, there's so much like obscuring our thought process as the kind of fog begins to lift. Mm. And it's not really like what we're, you, you mentioned the flashlight, right? Shining that flashlight. Yeah. It's not really like what we're focused on, but when you put, when you turn that flashlight on, it's where your attention goes. You know, you can see it. I love it, dude. I love that, man. Outdoors has always been something in your life? Uh, so I would have said yes. I don't think that's accurate. So I, I grew up outside of Boston, and, and New England is, is certainly, I mean, it's a different environment, but it's certainly an outdoor enthusiast dream. You have to drive a lot farther than you do out of Asheville. I mean, it's a 20-minute drive, and you're on the oldest mountain chain in, in, in the world. And... um. But up, you know, we would go to like, I had friends who did rock climbing and we would sign up for rafting and we would go on some hikes and there would be camping trips and there would be nature involved. But a lot of the people that I participated in that, those activities with also had other proclivities that made me feel more comfortable participating in also. So like there was, there were, there were other things getting passed around the campfire when we were camping out, even if we were going to you know, Mount Rumney in New Hampshire to go rock climbing the next morning. And 
that was another one of those roles. Like I would put that, I'd, I'd wear that hat. Yeah, let's go rock climbing. That sounds great. Let's make sure we get to the campsite early though so we can, you know, do other things too to just fulfill the experience. Like, let's make the most of this weekend. Um, but I never really, it was a role. I mean, the, those, those, that participation was, was authentic as far as I genuinely loved the people that I participated in those activities with. Um, but I was, I, 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 I just, there was a lot of going through motions. Um, for, for, I wasn't engaging, I wasn't engaging in, in, in my surroundings. Uh, I was tolerating the activity because it meant when we were done, we were going back to the campsite and we could party. And, um, when I first moved down here, there was, it's probably Tenant Mountain, I think. Um, but just. It was still smoking cigarettes at the time and was was doing the switchbacks or did like the art lobe spur to get to the top and then did the ridge walk and got lost in that like I don't know from the top of that spur to actual the plaque on Tenant Mountain. It's just like if you're not paying attention, it's all these rabbit trails and you're like, and I'm back at the parking lot. I don't know what just happened. But it was it was this genuine I guess I wasn't thinking about any other anything else. I was just, I was present for, and I was aware that I was, I was present in that for that first time. And, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, like one thing and like one thing. So like I was present, I was on a mountain. I made that connection. Um, and so far that connection has, has been consistent with me. Um, when, when you're outside, when you're in, when I'm, when I'm outside, it's something that since I moved here has not, Has to happen, mm-hmm. has to happen. Um, hikes after I lived out in Black Mountain for for like two years, and after work every day I went on a hike in in the Montreal area with my dog for like two hours every day. Um, I get up early Saturday morning, I go like ten minutes up and down the mount, up and down the hill to Old Fort and go to the Upper Falls, and I'd sit quietly for five minutes at the Upper Falls. Like I'd go drive fifteen minutes, hike for an hour, sit five to sit for five minutes, and it was. It's life changing, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's that spot up there is ridiculous, anyway. But since coming here, and and you know, there were there were a lot of there was a lot of reframing before I came to Asheville and to this area, uh, to Western North Carolina in general. And I just started, I just started seek, I started seeking different stuff, man. I mean, still. So there's this. I think it was 2014. There's this TED talk by this dude. What's his name? Like Seth Prebatch, maybe. It's a TED talk about the gamification of the world. And he was like a Princeton dropout or something. And he started this this online app called Scavenger. And it uh, it was like you know go to go to this taco shop, take your foil from your taco, make it in the shape of a bird take a picture of it post it on scavenger and you get five points and if you get 20 points you get a free taco so he talks about like this layer that social media had put on the world right so social currency um and then he was just kind of going the next level he was literally gamifying society through this app 
And at the time, I'd been here maybe six months. At the time, I was like, that's, he's right. I mean, he's on to something. I mean, social currency is, is the currency. Gamifying, I guess I related, it resonated with me because I guess I had been doing that my whole life. I mean, that was the manipulation. That was how mm-hmm. I read a room and it was so I could get, you know, the, the, the power-ups, the one-up, you know, the, the Mario mushroom that makes him the big Mario. Like, I was just doing that in real life. And it was only going on in my head, but that was part of how I justified my behavior. So I think what ended up happening after a bunch of hikes and meeting a bunch of, like, amazing, beautiful people around here is I was like, I don't have to dismiss this gamification of the world and, and my experience but I can change the rules to it. So now, instead of that like head-centered approach to life, maybe the rules are, what can I do to get my one-up points in living a heart-centered life? So, you know, I, I have this, I have this sort of lens of, of how I think my, my knee-jerk, my instinctual, desire to engage in my surroundings is and that wasn't serving me anymore and I struggled for a bit trying to get rid of that so I think what I've done is just sort of I just changed the rules a little bit so you know I I, instead of participating and engaging and telling you this that and the other like I, I maybe I disengage from the situation and allow you to have your experience and I'm not responsible for it and then it's a lot more free. And then you and I can have like a shared experience and it's 50, 50, you know, like I, th- I thought life was hierarchical and I needed to be at the top, but when it's vertical, sorry, when it's horizontal, it, it there's no top, it doesn't matter, you know? So yeah, I don't, I don't know when it, when it clicked. I think it was, it, I know it was on a trail Things just fell together, man. I mean, the, the the more I try to just genuinely participate in what's going on. What in, what originally brought you to Asheville? Huh. I had I had played out any any other option. Yeah. Um I was actually in my apartment in Brookline, Massachusetts. I thought I was in my apartment about to go in a caravan to upstate New York for a wedding. Um, And what ended up happening is, I want to say 15 people, but I don't think it was quite that many. A number of people... Felt like 50. Felt like 50. A number of people started trickling into my apartment um, after this woman who I had never met before who just helped herself into my apartment and uh, suggested that we sit down on the couch and uh, said something akin to, we all love you, we all care about you, we're all a little concerned about the decisions that you've made and continue to make in your life. And uh, then proceeded to ask my friend Josh to read a, a, a letter that he had prepared. This was all very real, because I, I, I checked several times that it was in fact real. To read a letter uh, that he had prepared stating how my behavior was affecting him, which was shocking that my behavior affected anybody but me. Um, And then at the end of that letter, 
So however many people there were, I, probably like 12. But at the end of that letter, there were supposedly, and I, I was told this, consequences. So it was like, here's my request. And if you don't do this, here's a paragraph of consequences. So he had said something along the lines of, I'm going to ask, and I, I'm going to plead with you, whatever his words were, to stand up, give me a hug, tell me you love me, and then get on this plane. Um, and there might have been a little more to it. And I, I immediately assessed the situation and I stood up. And like there was, in my head when I play this back, there was like a, like a, like a tearjerker moment, right? And um, I gave him a hug. I told him I loved him and figured we'd like, you know, where are we going? And then everybody lined up and it, it worked because my goal was I'm not listening to 11 more of these letters. You got to be fucking kidding me. It's time to go. Yeah. yeah. So, and it never occurred to me that I could just, Bolt run out of it. It didn't. It didn't until I think I was at my connection in in Atlanta. Yeah. That the woman who had come in was like, "Yeah, I'm just really glad you didn't run." And I was like, it, "Run? I didn't know that, that I could have ran." Like, that was what, an option. It seemed that he didn't. Josh didn't say I could run. Yeah. He said I could do one of these these two things. So, yeah. So I gave everybody a hug, and there was a lot of crying, as I remember. Maybe I just want there to be a lot of crying because it it makes it more dramatic, but you know, whispers of like, you know, good for you. This is great. You're brave. All that stuff. I was just terrified of, I mean, I did everything that I did in my life up until that point to avoid consequences. And the thought that each of these people who loved me way more than I loved myself at the time, we're going to share consequences in front of it. Not just me, but everybody else. Like you were going to air our shit to them. Like, that I was not about to let that happen. That was the only reason that I stood up and agreed. Um, so yeah, so I went down to Florida for 90 days, June, July, and August of 2013, which is not a time to be in Florida. Um, and then was about to come back up to Boston, and it was suggested that that maybe maybe something else would be better um it wasn't suggested quite that way I, I was pretty much told that like everyone up in boston didn't really they weren't sure that me going back to boston was a good idea so all the plays that i had in my head about what i was gonna do um they squashed those pretty quick so i, I went you know so and so said i i know a friend who you know might be able to help you out in Asheville, and i i was not familiar with Asheville. Like, why should I go to Tennessee? I really thought she said Nashville. And I got on a plane and just started, you know, we, we came down onto the, into the mountains, uh, at Asheville regional and, uh, some guy I'd never met picked me up. And I mean, and, and I, I found myself in Asheville, you know, it was sort of at that point, I wasn't psyched about my situation. Um, I, I bucked a good amount about my situation. Uh, but I knew I didn't have, I knew I didn't, I, for someone who always felt like I could read a room and have a play, I didn't have a play. I didn't, I, I, the only play I could think of was like, I should just get on this fucking plane. And then when the guy rolled up in the van, asked me if I was mad, I had an opportunity there to be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. 
Matt Hill. Yeah. But I mean a lot of a lot of a lot of universe pushing me in the right sure. direction. Um pretty much at every turn. And uh you know, met met some people that I'm still super close with. Um, and met so many people that I, f- I find it takes very little time these days to become like intimately close with people. When you're living that pure with pure intentions, right? When you're living right. that lifestyle, yeah, and not like masquerading behind this persona that you're this yeah. character that you're trying to to play. Right. Like, and that's a shock too, but like to, to be like, Steve, like what makes you, what makes you tick, man? Like what gets you up in the morning and like what drives you and like what, what fuels you? Having these conversations right here. Really? Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and I don't want to know that information for any other reason than like, I want to get to know you. Yeah. That's new to me. Yeah. That's a new, like that, 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 that sentence, I don't really have a play here. I'm not really looking for one. Like eye contact is a new concept to me. Yeah. You know, hugging people I just met is a new concept to I me. I love you, bro. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love you back, man. I mean, yeah. this is not this is not there no there there are no rules. When along this journey, when did you like accept that? that this is what life was, that this is the authentic, authentic lifestyle, right? That this is like, this is living all the things that you just described. When did I accept that? When did you learn it? When did you accept it? When did you realize it? Like, Oh fuck, I've been doing this. I've been playing this game the wrong way for there. So there was, um, maybe, like three years ago, there was a relationship that was a very short, well, it wasn't very short. That was short. Uh, it was like six months. Was that short? That's not that short. It depends on who you ask, man. Yeah. So it didn't feel short. It felt, it felt significant. It felt profound. It still, it still is a, uh, an experience in my life that I, you know, I'm certainly grateful for. Um, and it, and it ended, um, and the way that it ended, uh, w- was shocking to me. My behavior shocked me um and it took a lot it took a lot out of me i had been i'd been living in a nice i wasn't living the way that i was living up in boston i had sort of uh embraced new approaches new principles new behaviors um and embraced them in a context of a bunch of people who were embracing similar things and within and and found a lot of safety in there and had a nice cocoon of people who are all reading the same shit and saying the same stuff and meeting up at the same places and in that circle of people which was expansive i mean the the immediate people that i considered that i that i actually knew outside of the context of certain circumstances wasn't huge but like it, it was very safe i had a community about me Layers of safety. Layers and layers of safety. Um, and so when when it became, when I had set intentions of, which I did from the get-go because it was suggested that I did to, to, to take actionable, to, to, to perform gestures of 
faith and an expression of loyalty to a new way of living my life. I only had to apply them to that circle because that was my life. That was all I knew and all, all I engaged with. And I could get through any job for eight hours because I could just call somebody who was probably suggested to do the same thing. Um, and then uh, circumstances presented a very clear, we were talking about that, that the, the tone of the bell and how it can it like the, that 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 serves as sort of cracking the ego and giving me a mm-hmm. glimpse. So without getting into it, um, I got a glimpse, and it did it terrify it terrified me. It scared the shit out of me. It didn't align with anything that I thought I had. I had. I'm gonna say perfected. Um. And it was a, it was an awakening that that I was still, I mean that gamification thing was still in effect. I was still posturing. I knew how to speak. I learned the game. I knew how to speak. I knew certain words and how to reference certain things, and even to physically posture myself so that in certain contexts and certain circles, um, I had a better chance of being accepted. This was my thought. Didn't occur to me until a couple weeks after this realization that a number of people in those circles were actually being authentic and they accepted me even though they knew that I was full of shit. Regardless of the game you were playing right. or they didn't story you were telling they didn't yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it, 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 uh, it opened my eyes to a whole bunch of feelings that I had not felt before. Um, it, it raised an awareness of, uh, how much of a mystery everything is. Like, I, I don't have anything figured out. I don't have any, that, that punch list of 20 things and I get three done and then six more from each of those three. That's not just pivot point. I mean, that's life. That's me getting through life. I had someone very early on used to tell me he used to hold up a ruler or I think it was a broom. Maybe it was a baseball bat. I don't know what it was, but it was big enough that you could balance it on your finger. Right. And he's like, you seem to go through your life, like trying to find that one point, right? Like relationship, job, house, nope, too much, like dog, maybe cool spot. Like you need a cool spot. And then like, what, what kind of car do you drive? All right, cool. You got it. Right. And, it, and this shit just balances. It's like, here's the problem. Life doesn't work that way. You got to turn that shit up and down. And if you've ever balanced a baseball bat on your hand, you can keep it up there, but you're constantly moving, constantly moving. And I think that's, that's what we're talking about. You know, I think that's what, that was the moment. That awareness was the moment. And it, it meant that I had to find, it meant that what I was doing wasn't serving me anymore. Um, because that behavior that I had put out there, I could excuse it. I couldn't accept it. I could talk my way through it. Um, you know, I could I could read a couple of books and throw some some theories at as to why it behaved, why it happened, why I behaved the way that I did. But it wasn't it wasn't sufficient. 
And the one takeaway that I got is, is it wasn't, this was also like a birth of the, of the trans, the, the pivot from, from judgmental to observer. Um, and that judge is still there strong, but it was one of those first opportunities of just being curious of that behavior. And it was what the conclusion I came to was there are levels, there are walls that I didn't know that I had up. There are things that I'm not willing to experience and engage in. And what that means is I'm denying you getting to know me. You know, that fear that I used to have of like, I didn't want to get to know you because I didn't want you to know me before I did. That was still playing itself out. Now, like I see you, like I see you sitting across the table from me, Steve. And if you see something in me that I didn't know yet, because I can genuinely engage in a conversation with you, you get to teach me that. That's, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't experienced something jarring enough to make me open to that possibility. You're never willing to make yourself vulnerable enough to Hell no. that experience. Hell no. To many experiences. Yeah. Um, and again, and I mean, that was, That was, I wasn't doing, so I, I wasn't behaving the way that I used to behave. So that was enough. I was convinced that that was enough because that was bad. That as resulted, long as I could change that. Yeah. Then, then that, because that was the problem, right? Yeah. So I changed that. I wasn't behaving that way anymore. And then all the things, all the things under the things under the things. Decades of things. We're still there. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's that all about? And where do you start? That's yeah. What I didn't know what to do. Like how can I mean it, it took it took about a year to appreciate that the like that heart ripped out of chest feeling that that was a gift that like I, that I could feel that. Would you please go on and say that one more time? What you just said that it took a year to do what? To appreciate that that heart ripped out of chest feeling was a gift. Appreciate that heart ripped feeling of your out of your chest was a gift, right? Yeah, yeah. dude, that's powerful, man. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a, a shitty year, man. Yeah, but that's powerful to to be able to say what you just said to a, that you appreciate it now. It's 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 why I'm sitting here. Mm-hmm. It's why I'm not sitting in a lot of places right now. Um, that experience, that, that, that sort of like, um, I don't know. I went from the practice team to the big leagues, baby, maybe, maybe (laughs) just minor. I don't know. But like, but like, I'm, I'm, we were talking about this before, like, uh, like that, that was where it was a shift from there's a right way to do stuff and there's a wrong way to do stuff. And because I'm not doing the wrong way, I must be doing the right way. Very, um, dualistic. It's this or it's this. Is that dualism? Yeah. Okay. So it's this or it's this. Mm -hmm. And because it's not this, it has to be this easy conclusion. I'm the man. I'm doing great. Give me credit. Give me accolade. Give me the gifts that I'm, I was never told I was going to get, but I just, I kind of filled, I figured you just skimmed over the part where I get these things. Mm -hmm. And I experienced some of those things and it must've been because I wasn't doing the bad thing anymore. I mean, I, I, for me, I get 
how conveniently bullshit that is, you know, like all this stuff is practice, all of it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't know. I used to cringe. I still cringe when I hear like, you know, they're just lessons you can learn from this. Like any, any, anytime someone speaks to me through their experience and it's poignant and relevant to my current experience, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Partly because, well, you didn't, you didn't learn that until you experienced it. And partly because of how crystal clear even that reaction is, that, that how it just points out like how desperately I want to have a grip on things and, and, and assuming that I was further along as if there was somewhere to be further along towards or something like that. If I'm working towards a goal, towards a bunch of ideals and I'm behaving the way that I do and they don't match up, then I'm, I'm further away than I thought I was. And I don't know. I think for me, the reframe starts with the words and with the narrative that I tell myself. And then eventually, and it's never on a consistent timeline, but eventually I start to believe that new narrative. And then the old narrative doesn't necessarily go away, but like that mic kind of dies out. Like that becomes the white noise in the background. Turn the fader down a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's probably a slow progression, and then every now and then it might peak, oh, it peak kicks, a little bit. It kicks off a little yeah. bit. There's, I get a hot mic every now and again, uh-huh. and it, it's even that is because um, when I'm in that moment and that old narrative pops back up, my initial response is like, "Well, fuck, I'm not not doing as good as I thought." And you feel like you're almost like starting all starting over. Again. Yeah, so I got to pick it all back up. But that's the practice, right? That reframe has been huge for me, huge for me. Uh, I mean, every every experience that I have. So I went. I went to. Um, this was the the one of the biggest ones for me of late. Is I went out to uh, where were we? Carolina Beach for the Ooh. Addiction Professionals of West, yeah. Western North Carolina Conference, and I think it was the last day. It was gorgeous out there, and they whoever was involved with cleaning that place up. Um, did a hell of a job. I know there's still a lot of things going on over there. Um, and, and, and what I'm speaking to is the aesthetics. So it's a lot of superficial shit that I'm saying was impressive because I, I didn't really have time to like hear the stories, but still heard a few, but, um, one of the last presentations workshops that I was in was, uh, was yoga and stress and, um, some mindfulness elements to it as well. And, and one of the exercises was, was like, stop trying to eliminate stressors from your life because life is stressful. You never will be able to eliminate all of your stressors. It's like, I can't meditate because I can't clear my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, of course you can't clear your mind. No one said meditation was clearing your mind. And those who did have an interesting relationship with meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about hypotheticals and like, how do you react when you feel like that situation that's confronting you is a threat right now for me, if you're threatening me or I perceive a threat, I wall up or I get, or I puff up. So I wall up, I isolate, I have to react backs against the wall. There's a lot of aggression that starts building up already. Or 
I like cocoon, right? Yeah. Or ba- bail out. Peace. Oh yeah, I'm, gone. I'm gone. Yeah, you yeah. know, I wish they had told me I could have run. Yeah, that's that. Those are my moves. Mm-hmm. The second, the second that that same situation is perceived as a challenge, when someone's challenging me, I don't know where this came from, but my verbal response immediately is, "What can we do?" Like I'm already saying the word "we." What can we do to 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 meet this challenge? How right? do we overcome it? Yeah. So I'm acknowledging that there's a solution there. I'm saying we instead of me against this threat. Let's figure this thing out yeah. together. Yeah. So so that has been I mean that's been my experience is just I'm, I I don't cling as long as I do to to um even the things that serve me. We were talking about this too. Like if I do A, B happens. And if I do A 10 times in a row and B happens 10 times in a row, I'm going to hold, I'm going to lock onto the fact that A causes B. Problem is on the 11th time when A causes D and I don't like D, my world's gone to shit. I don't know how to deal with it. So inviting every opportunity is another example of groundlessness, of changeability, of mutability, at least having that having the being able to accept that it's possible that I don't have an idea of what's going on because I, I don't like that idea. That's not like my go-to thought, but being able to appreciate that maybe, maybe this happened cause this is what had to happen. And maybe if I do a, it has nothing to do with B. Maybe that was just the correlation that was happening, you know, like not causation type thing. It, it just, it allows, it allows for a more, for like a technicolor experience. You know, like I went from, I went from that dual, that, that black and white, little bit of gray, and then we upgraded to color and color was great. Um, the problem was it was color with basic cable, right? And then I lost the basic cable and then I, I felt like you know, that same critic in my head, everybody else had the direct TV package and everyone else had the NFL network. And I, I just like, I had channel four, five and seven. That was it. I don't know how far I can go with this yeah. metaphor. And then, uh, and then, you know, then I, I just stumbled across a smart TV, man. You know, I got, I got all the Netflix and Hulu passwords and I'm just, I'm live streaming and I'm trying consistently to walk through each day with an open heart and an open mind. And when that becomes the goal, the only goal, it, it, I don't know, it's easier to pull myself back to that, to return to that than setting, I guess, more tangible goals and intentions for the day. I mean, I, I find I'm too easily distracted but I can do anything heart-centered. I can do anything with an open mind. I can approach every circumstance with an open heart and an open mind. So when I do that, it's all, I mean, it's all gravy. Like it's all an opportunity. When you first started meditating and you kind of started this, this process, um, mindfulness practice, like did you pursue any type of formal training where you do, go into like retreats? Was it mostly like, um, just kind of personal 
investigation and it was curiosity. Yeah. It was curiosity. And then, you know, having a couple of friends who were equally curious and had had experience, positive experiences with it. And, um, then podcasts and then some books, um, participating in a few groups, not a lot, but a few groups that, um, where uh, there was a meditative element, like a, like an intentional meditative element to, uh, to the gathering. And, um, I think it was, I, I, I gravitated to the benefits of it. Um, pretty, pretty immediately. And because you experienced the results or yeah, because of the, because of the, I was so reactionary to everything that the second there was the moment, the moment there was like two seconds between a thought and an action. And like the moment there was space to reflect, it was very apparent. Because the, that was a new experience for me. And the more you do it, the more space. And it, and 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 experiencing a day in that space, mm-hmm. or like in in the company of that space, is. I don't, I don't think there are words to that. It's it's more. There's more magic in that space than in anything I had experienced when I was consuming things that were marketed to create such an experience. Yeah. That's freedom. It's real. It's genuine freedom. Yeah. Genuine yeah. freedom. How do you, um, how do you take that? How do you, how do you take everything that you just described? And you, you've, you've laid out a lot of wisdom tonight, brother, right? How do you take that, um, and apply it in the field, right? On the trailhead, on top of the waterfall to like maybe that, that, um, individual who's, a little resistant, who's not stoked to be out there in the, I mean, I'm assuming you guys are like year round. So it's 20, it's 20 degrees out and y'all are. Yeah. I got snow in my boot. You got snow in your boot, right? He's not happy to be out there. Like, how do you, how do you, um, how do you meet that with an open heart? Right. I, I think it's a good question. And I I guess the most accurate answer is I'm not entirely sure. Um, I can tell you how I've met it up until this point. Um, and that's often, that's often poorly. Um, I, I do want, so that there's this interesting, the very subtle, but very definite difference between I have experienced this as a result of this. And I, I just want, I, I would love for you to also experience it. And here's what Anne's saying, you know, the, the, the difference between that and saying, do these four things and you'll experience this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of variables. The fact that the individuals that I share experience with, I, I mean, I say that as often as I do because that's all I believe that I'm doing. Um, we, like, you're coming at this with everything you're bringing. That's part of that check-in, man, like, Let's acknowledge and give a voice to everything that I'm bringing to this hike or this whatever. Lay it on the table. What What did I bring? Yeah. Like, I want nothing to do with this. Who the fuck is this guy? I hate this. He doesn't even make his bed. How come he gets to do this cool thing? Like, all of that. Let's let's put it out there. Um, 
give it a voice because otherwise I bury it. That's what I do. So there's a lot of projection on my part when I, when I facilitate these groups. Like I consider the things that I do and I try and create a space where it's safe to have, maybe that's it. I don't, I don't really, I don't want to teach you anything. I don't want to teach you anything. Um, I think the ability to, what do you do? Pass on that experience. To create an opportunity where someone else can have an experience, not mine, is the elements are holding space. That's all I got to do. That's all I got to do. I got to hold space. I'll tell them that I'm going to be in the front of the hike for the majority of it because I know when to turn left and I know when to turn right. I also tell them, because it's true, anytime anybody wants to take a break, please speak up because know that I promise you I also want to take a break. I'm tired too. Um, the, f- the mere fact that I'm not the one waking them up in the morning, I'm not the one asking them how many meetings they hit, I'm not the one asking them if they finally got a sponsor. I'm not the one enforcing any consequences if they aren't doing whatever their program deems that they need to do to progress. I don't know so-and-so. Like, I don't know client A as client A who's level zero, lives in the entry house, and fucked up because he did this to so-and-so. Like, that's not my context. You're Nick. That's it. That's all I got. You know? And maybe... Maybe you're required to do this for the first five weeks of your stay. Even then, like, I'm, I, I'm probably not going to see you next week for any number of reasons. Either because you're like me and you figured out that if I get a job that meets on, that, that, that meets mm-hmm. on Sundays, I don't have to go. Or, yeah. or, wait, I can go to church and not have to do this? That's fine. I don't engage with any of that shit. I don't care. You know, in the most loving mm-hmm. way... I don't care, you know? So I, I guess the, the, the power behind observing, the power behind having observed, having the privilege to, to see something happen. I don't know what the hell it is, but, I, but it's a phenomenon, right? Like you feel it. It's, you can't really pin it. And if you do, you're kind of taken away from it, I think, but. It's such it's such a profound ah, it's tough. It's such a this is right. This right here is right. It's such a one of those moments. Yeah. It's that sweet spot. It's that perfect swing. It's like, you know, if I, I don't know if you play golf, the practice swing's always better than the real swing, right? So that last for me and I never play, but like that there's like I do like the random not thinking about it swing until there's that one swing and I'm like that. Okay. Now do that again but with the ball and duplicate front. it. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. So the experience of what I see when that when that kid says thank you is so profound and and that is tangible. I can't describe it, but it's you can feel you can taste it. Like on a on a visceral level that experience is you can touch it. Is enough is enough to keep me the fuck out of the way and allow you to have, because I don't want you to have a specific experience. I just want you to have an experience. Just experience this. You know, like, they, 
So I'll tell you this. There was a guy when I first started doing this who was late to the van. And like at this point, this was early on. So like at this point, if you were on my list, like that was important to me. I, you know, I had things to do. And uh, so I knocked on his door and he's still in bed and he rolled over. I was like, hey, what I, we'll call him Jake. I was like, hey, Jake, you know, we're, we're trying to take off in like 10 minutes. Are you, are you good to go? Do you want to like another five? Rolls over in bed, tells me to go fuck myself. He says, fuck you. I fucking hate nature. I'm not coming. So I say, all right, man. I mean, to be frank, I don't really need that energy in the van or on the trail. So like I told Jake, I was like, listen, man, you know, that's, that is your choice. I don't really know. Like, I'm pretty sure there are consequences because I know you're, you're kind of new here. I don't know what they are. I, I'm going to tell so-and-so that, that you don't want to come. We don't need to get into the fuck you the fuck buddy. yous or whatever. <laughs> like, that's cool. And I don't know how you fucking hate nature, but like, that's cool. That's your I'm, business, not mine. Yeah. yeah. So I don't engage with it. And I'm like, you know, I, I hope you have a good day, man. I mean, I don't, I don't see how the, lines are drawn you're probably not going to get out of bed but good luck have a good day so and that's it and we go on our hike and we have a blast or it sucked i honestly don't even remember the next week jake is leaning against the van before i even pull up to get the keys he's got his shades on he's got his earbuds on he's smoking a cigarette and he gives me like a what's up dude pretty much and I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's the dude in the bed who rolled over and told me to go fuck myself. But I'm not entirely sure because it was a 30-second interaction. So I get the keys. We go. He's in the way back. He's there. Shades are on. It's not sunny. Shades are on. He's listening to his music. He's looking at his phone the whole time. He's, like, physically there, but he's not engaging in, in this. He's and, and it's almost, I'm, I'm still taking this stuff very personally. So, like, this is an affront to me. And then we, uh, we park and we go up. It's actually that same mountain. It's Tenant Mountain. We go up and we do the switchbacks and, you know, we stop like 18 times because everybody, like, I can't breathe. This is too hard. And yet every time we stop, people are smoking like 15 cigarettes. Yeah. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like, my only request is if you're going to smoke cigarettes, they're going in your pocket. I'll give you a, a trash bag, but we're not, we're not, we're not leaving that shit on the trail. And, uh, so we go and he's in the front and I don't know what that's all about. I, 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 if I'm not in the front cause it's complicated, I like to be in the back cause I kind of like to watch how things uh, unfold and we go and we're all together and he's probably smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes at this point. And we make it to the top. There's like that plaque on that rock at the top of tenant mountain. And if you, if you're standing right, I mean, you got 360 views. It's, it's pretty outstanding. And, uh, not really sure why I'm further back. Probably just because I'm tired and out of shape. And uh, I see him. He's got the the huge, huge headphones on and the shades that are totally unnecessary. And he reaches, he's already done with one pack of cigarettes and he reaches for a fresh pack and he starts packing it. And he's focused on packing and he takes off the wrapper and he puts it in his pocket. So I'm, I'm happy about that takes off the foil and he puts that in his pocket and he takes out a cigarette and while he puts it up to his mouth, he looks up, right? And he looks up and then he looks around and he takes his shades off Then he takes his earphones and puts them around his neck and I see his chest go up and down and his shoulders kind of ease up and go back a little bit 
and the son of a bitch smiles, right? Cigarette goes back in the pack, pack goes back in the pocket. I'm seeing this from like 20 feet back and I'm like biting my tongue because I want to just, I want him to know, I guess I want credit. That's really what's going on. I want credit. I want to shine a light on this. And before I can do anything, thank God, he catches himself and realizes that he forgot about the mask and the wall and all that bullshit that he put up. And he puts the shades back on. He puts the headphones back on. Doesn't put a cigarette back in his mouth, but that's it. Like, it's back to, I'm not here, this sucks, I fucking hate nature. And uh, it takes a lot of effort on my part on the way back down the trail, back to the van, to uh, not point out to him, like, I fucking saw you enjoying yourself, you <laughs> son of a bitch. You know, like, because yeah. I, 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 I want to do it playfully. I want to let him know. What do I want to let him know? But that, that moment, right? That, but that's right. So yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's the mission statement. Yeah. Because it, it happened and it doesn't matter what it was. Like for that split second, he, he let go of all that bullshit that he convinced himself he needed to bring with him. Posturing for I don't know who. To, 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 to prove I don't know what, and it, it didn't happen. Maybe it happened elsewhere, but like the reason Pivot Point exists is because it, it enables me, it offers me the opportunity to, to share that, not even really participate in it. I'm just, I just want to I'm just trying to set the deck so you can play the hand. Yeah. I think like facilitating it in a way, like you're, that's the you're, best word. You're presenting it. You're setting up the environment or circumstances for it to happen, whether it happens or not. Yeah. Um, but that moment, that moment uh, where he let his guard down, you know, he he was present for ten seconds, five seconds, Dude, that thirty smile. seconds. Smile. That's exactly what you described um, with your meditation practice. Is is that space? between thoughts where he, he was, he let his guard down. He was there. He was present. He took a deep breath of that fresh mountain air. Right. Yeah. And it's about creating more of those moments. And we do that through, I do it through my formal practice. Mm. I do it through exactly what you're creating for these individuals through hiking. Like I did today and, um, exercising and my yoga practice and all of those things. That's, that's how I, create it in my life, but it's unique to every individual. And like what really worked for me specifically in early recovery was those little glimpses, whether I was, had my guard up or not, I, I tasted it. I recognized it mm. and I was able to take it back and still apply it in my day-to-day life, you know, later on down the road. But it was just those, it was those, those impactful moments, whether he, recognized it or admitted it at that time it was those impactful moments what um where'd the name pivot point come from because i've heard you say like pivot the word like three or four times tonight so one of one of those one of those um moments of opposition uh someone was trying to engage wanted wanted to engage in, in in an opportunity for there to be like a power dynamic right and someone else who wasn't wasn't ready to go or 
had set the scene so that there was going to be conflict. It, that was that was my assumption. Like, this is how I'm going to create a situation where Matt's coming in and it's going to be like, get in the fucking... Or whatever, whatever that motivation was. And, and, it, and I, it was like, the reason I think that is it, it felt like a very prepared... It, it just felt really polished what he came at me with. And I opened the door and I was like, hey, you know, are you coming? And the response was, no, I'm not. It was pretty similar, man. He didn't say fuck you to me, but it was, you know, I'm not fucking going hiking. Like, what if I hike? I'm not, I'm, if, if I don't go hiking, I'm going to relapse. And I don't know if it was the smartest thing to say, but I, I, I reacted. I didn't, I didn't respond. I reacted. And I, and I looked him dead in the eye and I said, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard of in my life. I was like, if, if, if you don't come on the hike, you're going to relapse? So this doesn't make any sense, dude. I was like, you know what's going to happen today for you if you don't go on the hike? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You know, you probably won't even see the sun coming through the window. But you can just, you can stay here and do that. It's not a this or that. Like, that's not what's happening here. My understanding and my experience is if you make a decision, and we talked about it earlier, you make a decision to kind of restructure what it is you're putting in your body by making a decision to stop putting certain things into your body. That opens endless possibilities. If you don't do this, this happens. Nah, man, it doesn't work like that. And if you don't do this and it happens once, that's maybe coincidence, synchronicity, whatever word you want to use. You don't do this one thing. You've opened up 360 degrees of possibilities. You're at that pivot point right now. All I'm trying to do is like turn you on that fulcrum, you know, yeah. like I just, I just come on the hike and then tell me after the hike that you fucking hate hiking. Cool, man. We'll go snowshoeing next week. We'll see if you like that. No, let's go mountain biking. You want to get in the raft? I got paddle boards. Like, what do you want to do? Let's have an adventure. Let's have an experience. Where do you want to go today? Cause it, what's the, I don't know, man. What's the point if you're going to stay in the apartment? And only go outside for the five minutes it takes to smoke that cigarette. You're going to meet the same people who I'm sure are lovely, who are on the same cigarette smoking cycle as you. You know, like you get a great view of that apartment complex parking lot, you know, but like it scares me when those yellow lines become friendly and like that's my backyard. That's not your backyard. Your backyard is this majestic, oldest mountain range in the world. Yeah. You know, like people draw such energy from this place. Everyone I meet for the first two years I was here, someone would tell me that they were like 66 years old or something. And like, I thought I was older than them. Like everyone's 15 years younger here. And there's a correlation between that and how much time they spend outside. Outside. Yeah. And we're just privileged to have access to that. So much access to it. Like, you know, it's... What's um what's next for Pivot Point, man? What's your goals? Give me some long-term goals, man. What's on uh, your radar? So we're we're um we talked about the thing under the thing under the thing. I, I feel like there've been some there've been some moments on hikes where after the check-in, actually, um certain individuals, whether it's bravado or or whatever it is, they're 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 sort of their body posturing changes and their dynamic and engagement in the group has changed and it became became clear to me that um, it was it was possible and 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 pretty much likely that uh, the potential of those check ins 
as informal as they may be, could maybe touch on things that were just unpacked in a group or individual therapy session or something like that. And, and that I was ill-equipped to, to yeah. deal, to engage in that period. You know, um, there were a couple of times where like I found myself walking faster to catch up with or walking slower to slow down with that person. And like, fortunately I, I was mindful enough of my own motives to be like, dude, that's great, but you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And like, this is not appropriate. So right now it's a, pu- it's a push for training. It's a push for applicable knowledge. It's a push for embracing the community. I think that there's, there's a couple of um, long-term goals that I'm hesitant to mention um, that are a little more expansive than just driving within 80 miles of the, the Buncombe County area. Um, the reason, part of the reason it's Pacific, it's uh, Pivot Point WNC is that I don't see any reason why there isn't a Pivot Point Pacific Northwest and Pivot Point New England. Um, I think it's a sizable, scalable operation. Um, right now, we're focused on creating a system to track uh, clients' progress what it is that you're bringing to each hike, what it is that you're taking away from each hike, where are you at two months from now? Have you had an opportunity to take the experience that you've had on the trail and apply it into your own life? Um, We're trying to create a message board and a community group so that we don't need to be a part of it. Like, I'm going to shine that light and then I'll give you the flashlight. Here's a bunch of other people who told me to go fuck myself too. But now they're, you know, yeah. now they're trying to like push themselves and see how far down the Roan Mountain Trail that they can go and how many of those peaks they can hit. And they don't, I don't need to be there for that. Yeah. Here's some extra batteries and. Yeah. Here's have, a mag light. Like, yeah. yeah. Go nuts. What, um, how often you're doing this, you know, how often do you, how much time do you set aside to get for yourself to be outside with your crew, with your homies outside of Pivot Point? That's something that's where's still, my self care. Yeah, that's <laughs> is that still a priority to you? Yeah, I think I think um, lately it's it comes up that I'm aware that it needs to happen. Uh, I think it's I think that's a pretty common theme is I'm aware I'm aware sooner when I'm neglecting self care. Um, but I can get, I, I, it's the it's sort of the glorification of busy, right? Like, oh man, I can't, I got this meeting and then this meeting and there's 30 minutes in there and that's enough time to have that phone call. And then, you know, every now and again, I look up and I see, I see my, uh, I think that was my chair. Oh, okay. Sound like someone was knocking. <laughs> every now and again, I'll look up from over my laptop and I'll see my dog like on the bed or something just staring at me and it's total projection. But like what I'm seeing when I see that is like, we need to fucking go outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I make it a point now to get to get three decent hikes in a week. Um, it's usually me and the dog, me and the dog and one other person. Um, I have... Yeah, I, I have to work on that, I guess, because yeah. that's, really, that's really it. I mean, there's opportunities. I joined a cornhole league. Okay which is shockingly expensive. Is it? Um, I think it's because they have a deal with like two-for-one drinks where they're hosting it, and I think that's how they're compensating. I mean, either that or the T-shirts are amazing. Mm -hmm. 
but like that's an opportunity to engage in in i guess unhealthy taunting and mm-hmm. competitive nature um but honestly like another benefit of this area in addition to the mountains and the rivers is is the amount of live music that's here yeah so like even if i'm only getting out 3 times a week i can I can afford 10 bucks to go to Gray Eagle and catch pretty much anything that's playing there. And there's something about that energy exchange. It's about energy exchange, right? So Mm -hmm. like if that happens on the trail, right on. Like if I can commune with the mountain and feel the breeze and all that stuff, like it's gravy. But sometimes what I get is a lap around the neighborhood. Sometimes what I get is no lap and my friends watching my dog. But at the end of the night, I get to go and catch some live music and just feed off that. Um, and like this stuff, man, I mean, like I, f- I find, I, f- I find I haven't really come across something as fueling, satisfying as genuine, authentic mm-hmm. connection. Um, and I don't think you will find anything and that's, that's fulfilling. And, and I don't need, I was joking with someone months ago, like I was in a bad space. I was all worked up about this, that, and the other. And I got in the car, I drove for an hour and 15 minutes. I went to a trailhead that I've never been on before that was super hard. In hindsight, didn't bring nearly enough water. Got up to a lookout that, because of the expectations I had attached to it, was like supremely disappointing and started to journal, right? Because I needed all of that dramatic stuff to journal. The journal was at my bedside table and the pen was there too. I I just, like, who was I posturing for? Like, what was I trying to prove to who? So like that, that self-reflection and that awareness, that curiosity, as opposed to that judgment, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't know why it is, but like, that's such a that's such a new path through life and experience for me that it's outrageously satisfying. So I don't, I don't need much. I mean, I get bored easy. So like I, I, I will do the cornhole tournament and like let's play cards. I, I got some poker games. I need Jeremy French to s- set up the next poker game. Uh, but like, Living authentically is such a, a such a new concept to me, or attempting to, that shit. I can do that watching watching music. I can do that walking around the neighborhood. I can do that on my front porch with with a cup of coffee. Like I don't I don't need. I have the opportunity because of how gifted I am with with where we live. But I don't I don't need that shit because of the work that you've done. You have the opportunity to live that way in every moment. It's there. I don't embrace it, but yeah, I have that opportunity. I have that opportunity. I think I think one of the one of the mantras that has served me the most in the past couple of years has been to uh to set the intention and to ask for assistance with the intention of walking through every day with an open heart and an open mind. And and like I said, like if 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 the possibility of that is even there, then it's all, it's all for me, you know? The mounds are great, man. Like, I'll, I'll we'll do Flat Laurel Creek, and we'll, I mean, it's like living in a postcard around here. Yeah. It's great. 
but like that that closing my eyes or lighting a couple of candles and sitting on a on a cushion like on my rug i can get there just as easily there you know not always but it's available i appreciate you coming on bro yeah you're a badass oh right on that's two hours man for real for real an hour and 58 minutes wow how about it time flies man no that, that was phenomenal um tons of wisdom like i i enjoyed talking with you how can everybody find pivot point facebook website instagram where you at yeah so it's it's what is it? it's pivotpointwnc.com is our website uh facebook is i think it just goes facebook.com slash pivotpointwnc instagram is the same handle um contact information is on the website and uh so you're like you're anybody can call you book you set up a thing yeah like whatever you want to do so 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 that's that that's that's a valid thing this started because my experience began with with the power of nature and its and its role that it could play in a healing modality for people in early recovery mm-hmm. um and what i was talking about with the thing under the thing under the thing dude everybody's in recovery if you know it or not or you don't use that word you're in recovery you're recovering from something maybe you haven't explored the traumas that you experienced and maybe the word trauma is is activating and that's why you're not like whatever dude the power uh and the majesty that happens out in nature like doesn't give a shit about what word you use to label your past experience and to that end i mean my flashlight shines on everybody like whatever whoever wants to go and have an experience is what says on the back of my car look for the car yeah Hell yeah. yeah. You ever have you ever done any trips out, out west, out this way? Done many? Have we done any? Part of my like self work my self care stuff has been okay. out here. I can't remember the name of it. It's not Pinnacle Rock. Pinnacle, yeah. Pinnacle Park. Pinnacle Park. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was one of the first things I did out here. Um that's a bit of an up. It is, dude. That's a bit it of an is. up. I don't know how much that'd be a fun sell, I think. Um Yeah. I, I had never been up there before and mm. I had a, a bunch of bunch of my friends have and they're always talking about it and like i was re- reading on reading a little bit about it online and stuff and about two weeks ago um i recently within the last month started dating a new girl bianca hey and uh she um we were like hey you want to go f-? we both had a day off or something we had some time and i was like oh let's go for a hike yeah she has a five-year-old son awesome. and i was like okay let's go check out pinnacle man we made it like a mile and like that's up kid was done you know yeah, i think like, you need right, like yeah. another mile before it levels yeah. out for, uh-huh. for a bit uh-huh. yeah and we've yeah. done we've done i've done stuff in the smokies mm-hmm. um like a lum cave and leconte um, yeah and, and other kind of spurs and out and backs the, to be honest like because i like to bring my dog with me uh it kind of rules out the the smokies mm-hmm. um which is a shame but that's cool i mean yeah. I, I i i admittedly have gone once with the dog because i didn't <laughs> know that you couldn't yeah, it never occurred yeah. to me and yeah um but that place is is boundless but i mean you can you can and we're like I'm, i should say this actually also that we are uh in the process we've already submitted our permitting paperwork with okay. the uh, united states forest service fantastic um so between DuPont, we've also applied for permitting there. Between DuPont and um, and just the two regions of Pisgah, like Mount Mitchell side and and Lookout side, dude, plenty of territory. I don't have to repeat yeah. anything, you know. Yeah. So it's 
it's out there and and you know it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter man just have an experience that's it that's why mm-hmm. it says it on the car dude that's that's what it's about it's about how can i expand and build upon wherever i'm at like meeting people where they're at and maybe with the check in you get a better idea of where you're starting from yeah now do you do like an exit deal any kind of we do takeaways i i think it, it, uh, my understanding is until i get like training in certain certifications it's a little tricky to say that you know we're doing anything that's similar to processing but we do takeaways we unpack the experience at the end as we're as we're going back to the vehicle and sometimes it's more formalized um than than at other times and and the beauty with a lot of the houses though this can go you know we we kind of do this on a on a per seat you know per button the vehicle rate but like it, the beauty of working with the houses is there's some continuity there. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing whatever it is that they expect you to do and you agree to do, then I get to see you for six weeks. Yeah. And we can kind of reflect about that time that you told me to go fuck myself. <laughs> solid. Right. Real solid. Yeah. Cool, bro. Well, I appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, this is great, man. Um, Let's connect again in the future, man. I'd like to maybe hook up and plan a trip or something. And yeah. also, also um, in January, we're coming over to Making Whole. At Jeremy's place. Okay. We're going to do like a lunchtime podcast. Oh, yeah. And lunch cookout thing that he always does the lunches. We, yeah. already, we already set a date. I'll be promoting it and share it. And I'll, I'll be sure to share it with you. Nice. We'd love to have you. I'm always, the, he's always, always cooking always, up good yeah, stuff over there. Anyway. I know. I know. So we're going to do a little lunch podcast over there with him. So cool. Thank you guys for tuning in to NC Raw. All of our NC Raw content is available by visiting www.ncraw.life. While you're there, subscribe to the website to receive all current events and our latest shows delivered directly to your inbox. want to thank today's musical contributor, Rival, whose work can be found by on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Facebook by searching Rival727. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all have an awesome night. Pew, pew, pew. We're done. That's it? That's it, bro.